Welcome to About the Winelands. In this show, we'll be chatting to leaders, influencers, wine producers, restaurants, winelands businesses, and other role players. Tune in every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday for our latest episodes. You will find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Morning, everyone, and welcome back to About the Wildlands. Today, I'm talking to Vincent and Fiona Bure from Saxonburg. Hi, hi, Vincent. Hi, Fiona. Welcome to About the Wildlands. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Good morning, Will. Yeah, pleasure to be on, and uh, good morning to all the listeners. Yes, I mean, I think the listeners are going to um, uh, really enjoy the show, and uh, you guys have such an interesting story. So tell me, um, can you guys give us a bit of background of how you became involved in the wine industry? Absolutely. So I'll start off. I am. Um, I. I think it was never really in the, for me in the beginning in the plan to go into the wine industry. And my father very much has the philosophy, you have to do what you enjoy and what you love. Um, so he never pushed any of us uh, into going into the wine industry. And I had been working on another project in South Africa and I uh, and, uh, was living on Saxonburg and loved it so much being back on the farm um, because I had been studying abroad, that I asked if I could join um, the Saxonburg team. And I thought in the beginning, I'd just do a six month stint. Um, and I joined as the, um, I got the position of a Western, uh, of the Cape Town uh, sales representative position. And six, by, uh, six months went by in a flash. And, um, and I noticed that that's a drop on a hot stone and that you can't really achieve that much in six months. And so, and I just l have a huge passion and love for Saxonburg. So uh, that uh, I decided to, of course, stay on and, and um, I um, stayed on in that position and then grew from that position and took over the Johannesburg market and, and did the sales there. And then I did the national sales and, and just um, um, grew from that position. And, um, and, you know, before I knew it, 10 years or have, Gone, went by in a flash and I'm still with Saxonburg and now running the estate with my brother. So that's how I got into, into the wine industry and starting working for Saxonburg, which I hadn't, I'd been in a whole different um, industry beforehand. Oh, interesting. And you, Vincent? So, so yeah, well, on my side, it was, it was uh, to some extent, obviously similar. I mean, we had the, the great fortune of uh, growing up on this farm. So obviously there was always a, uh, a real connection um, and uh, to the place uh, and, I think when you're that close to to any industry, you you end up loving or loathing it. And uh, you know, both Fiona and myself, it was the case of of falling deeply in love with it. And um, so after uh, university, also I had actually chosen a different path. I ended up in in uh, finance, um, and then within a few years, realized that there was a real sort of strong uh, pull to go back to South Africa. So at that time, I was based in London, and uh, and get involved as well. And you know, for us, it was very much about learning about all the facets of the business um, to really get a deep understanding because it is a, a fairly competitive um, a, certainly industry and it's also one that's that's been undergoing tremendous change over the last 10-20 years if you will with the inclusion of uh, technology and, and globalization as well and that all of a sudden the supply chains uh, had changed a lot and so my my early um, sort of contribution was also in the sales side but I was going much more on the international uh, markets um, in those days, uh, 15 years ago, we were 
we started uh, pushing quite heavily towards Asia. And so I was spending a lot of time in Southeast Asia and also East Asia and, uh, and, and building up those, those markets uh, with the, the team we had there. And then about uh, six years ago, I found myself, uh, I found my way back to uh, Cape Town and I moved onto the farm and started getting involved on the managerial side. And to fast forward to today, obviously Fiona and I um, run the, the farm together. Amazing. So your family, um, um, can you tell us a little bit of how you actually, your family got involved in Saxonburg and maybe also a little bit of history of the farm itself is always, you know, that's always interesting to our listeners. So the farm itself dates back to 1963. So it is actually one of the oldest estates in South Africa. And uh, the name also Saxonburg uh, exists already since 1707 because the first owner was von Sachs and then it went on to the De Berg brothers and they kind of combined their names and that's why it's called Saxonburg. Um, and also the first wines were planted there in 1707 already. And um, it was always used for wine or mining. Actually, Saxonburg has a lot of, um, um, had a lot of silver and granite, of course, and zinc. Um, and so it always went uh, between the two uh, uh, over its, its history and its course. Then my family um, purchased the estate in 1989. My father always had an, our family has been in the wine in the, the, for five generations already. And my father traveled extensively through South Africa um, with his brother, who actually was studying at UCT uh, back in the days. And he had a huge passion and love for South Africa and the land. And he just saw an opportunity because, you know, South Africa was closed off and he, he's, um, he's always wanted to, um, to have a wine estate and, um, and he saw an opportunity in South Africa at the time for him like no other country where the terroir was exceptional but it wasn't opened up internationally yet and he knew he could be part of a change and so um, he traveled there in 1988 and he looked at a lot uh, a few wine estates and he didn't actually find any and then on his way to the airport he stopped um, on Saxonburg and he said when he entered it it was like entering home and he immediately knew that was the that was the farm and once the terroir analysis was done um, it was a perfect match and so they, they my parents purchased the, the wine estate in 1989 and then we're actually one of five children so it's Vincent and then I have an older brother and two younger sisters and my parents moved us over all in 1991 and committed 100% to Saxonburg. And I think the 90s was very much focused on to replanting because actually when, when, uh, when, when Saxonburg was taken over, it was in a very derelict estate. Um, uh, and um, it was, uh, we would say a lump of coal, which, which we then tried to turn into a lump of gold. And it was actually planted mostly with Shina, Riesling and Sasso at the time. And I would say 90% of that was pulled out and replanted. Um, and the estate was... Um, the estate itself is 200 hectares and nearly 100 hectares were planted and we didn't or they didn't follow trends at the time at all um, but they they went with what their terroir has to offer and um, and they set their own trends in the time especially in the 90s I would say they were trendsetters that they um, they then planted Shiraz which was very uncommon in the early 90s but you know Saxonburg is the ideal location for Shiraz the whole top of Saxonburg is a decomposed granite field and so that actually became our um, our main um, varietal and then our first winemaker back in the day in the 90s was Van Rensburg and then 
they got Nico van der Merwe on, on board and then he was out throughout the whole 90s and the beginning of the 2000s. And, you know, then in 93, Saxonburg won, I think, five, or yes, it did win five double goals in the Veritas and a general Smuck award. So it catapulted Saxonburg, I would, I would say, on the map. And, um, and so that was in the 90s, it was all about, you know, um, making a reputation and, and, and replanting and building the brand, um, brand Saxonburg. And in the 2000s, we very much concentrated when, when the market was open on, on growing internationally. So I would say that's a very short history of, of Saxonburg. Oh, that's, that's amazing. I want to ask you, you are a brother and sister team. And um, I, I said, uh, I, I, the question I wanted to ask you is, how do you share management responsibility? But I think that's my nice way of asking you guys, how didn't you kill each other? <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good question. I mean, it's look the 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 there's certainly the, the wonderful thing about a uh, um, family business is, is that you know the the saying always goes is you know you get upset at a friend it's very it's very hard to get uh, to forgive them. Uh, you, you you can be upset with family. We've been you know we've been having adult fights for thirty plus years you know and we're still here to tell the tale. So you know family just has the sort of bond that uh, that obviously is very advantageous um, but comes with its sets of challenges and I think we. We've sort of we trust each other very much. Um, uh, I think we complement each other also in the sense that we we share um, you know we 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 share all of the decision making and certainly the essential one. Uh, and it's good to have each other as a sounding board in that sort of sense. But at the same time, in terms of roles, they're really sort of clear cut and defined roles uh, that everyone operates within. And uh, you know, Fiona being the first to actually go back to the farm um, has cut herself a, a very strong role in the. Uh, in the sales side of things and the marketing and the branding of the estate and uh, and has has really built that up for herself uh, whereas myself i spent most of my time on the farm and i got sort of involved in all aspects from the land so viticulture into um uh, the winemaking as well as much as i'm not at all a winemaker um, we have an excellent winemaker on the farm but to get more involved in that sort of process and then the all the, the all-encompassing management part of it in terms of a vision and strategy we we take the decisions together and then and then execute um, obviously in those departments respectively that sounds fantastic i mean you touched a little I bit do on... want to say we, yeah. we have the we have the uh, the advantage that we actually get along really well <laughs> so <laughs> so it's actually nice to work to, together with somebody that you that you get along with so well and that you're actually friends with also, the, I think the issue you mentioned about trust, I think that trust that they have within a family is, you know, that's something that you can't really find anywhere else. So that's great. Um, you're, um, you touched a little bit on the Shiraz and, um, uh, you know, uh, this is what Saxonburg is famous for. I think it's Graham Beck that said you guys make the best Shiraz in, in, in the country or maybe you got, I, I think you, know, you could have even said in the world. So tell us a little bit about the, the other ones you are making. Um, um, and also your winemaking philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think it's so important. Look, the, 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 the wine industry is, is one in which you, you always take a, a very long-term view uh, and you need incredible patience for obviously because you, you're dealing with nature. And so by default, you, you're never too sure what hand you're going to be dealt for any specific harvest or during a growing season. But you can certainly work very well around um, you know the the sort of the aspects that you can control of that and and most of those take uh, take place in the vineyard um so you know i think our, our first philosophy in winemaking is is that 80 percent of any good wine is 
made in the vineyard. And with that, we take a, a very sort of rigorous um, approach to the vineyard and, and the way that we uh, respect that terroir. Um, we're lucky now that in some ways we've, you know, we have 30 plus years of of experience of knowing the land, understanding the land, understanding the specific sites, knowing how certain clones react um, in specific sites, and and we've managed to play with that and adapt to it and enhance it. Um, so that would definitely be the, the first step of, of how we look at the philosophy itself. And then, um, obviously, it's being close to to the market. Um, when I say long term, you know, we we have a vision, or our, our parents rather had a vision in the late 80s, early 90s, that Syrah was particularly well suited for that. And so, you know, today it represents 60 plus percent of our total production. And we are building on that every year, um, as we learn, obviously, as well. And so it's never been about chasing trends. It's being really sort of firm in the belief that what we're doing is the right thing, that we can improve on that all the time. But it's no, it's, it's you know, it's that's the kind of discipline and, and long term thinking that it uh, that it takes and and that we enjoy doing you know and then some years you know the the, the varietal will be a bit more unpopular in some countries and uh, and other years it will be there but you know it's it's we 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 certainly would like to think that that is something that we can we can do very well um in terms of the other varietals we've got we, we've got incredible diversity on the farm itself so the farm is 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 about 200 hectares of which 70 are planted to vines and uh, we're, we're adding to that uh, every sort of two to three years. Um, the, uh, the varietal breakdown is very much in terms of what is suited there. So we have uh, Saxonburg sits, for those that don't know it, Saxonburg sits on a, one of those old sort of hills outside of um, uh, uh, Stellenbosch. Um, and uh, it gives us a 360 uh, degree sort of um, uh, geographic aspect, if you will. Some of it is facing the Stellenbosch winelands and some of it is facing Table Mountain and the cooler um, false base slopes. So according to that, we, we plant and obviously the, the soils we have as well. And there's again a great diversity of soils from, you know, sort of heavy clay to decomposed granite uh, to, to heavier sort of gravel soils and Table Mountain sandstone. But basically what we've done is we've allocated the varietals. On the red side, we've got Syrah, obviously Shiraz, which leads the pack. We've got Cabernet Sauvignon, which uh, for us is very representative of Stellenbosch. We've got some Pinotage as well, which to us is kind of the celebration of, uh, you know, a typical South African varietal. And then for our entry-level blend, we've also uh, got um, some Malbec and some Cabernet Franc. Uh, and then we've got a very small portion of uh, Pinot Noir on, on, on uh, Champagne Clone, which we use for our uh, Méthode Cap Classique. And on the white side, I mentioned earlier the exposure to to false bay we've got higher elevation so 200 plus meter above sea level we plant uh, um, uh, sauvignon blanc and and that makes up uh, the biggest uh, portion of the white wine and we've also got some chardonnay uh, some uh, chenin blanc and also some uh, semillon which we uh, which we have in in smaller quantities to add into that philosophy i think what we were saying is that from our winemaking philosophy but also for our daily philosophy with Saxonburg is always to work with res respect and respect that comes to all aspects you know respect to the to our work to the terroir to the wine to the people around us to our team and then passion passion that we need you know for for the wine itself um, passion, passion comes with everything for us and then of course always relevance and that's to stay relevant with uh, with our product relevant in our message etc and for us uh, also 
the number one thing that that we work is in our philosophy for wine is that terroir is everything and we should um, that we need to work with our terroir and respect that so um so i think those are the three words that that are the most important for us in our philosophy oh that's awesome so when you arrive at um, Saxonburg, it feels like you're um, going on safari. So can you share a bit more about um, the wildlife on the estate? Yes, absolutely. So let me give you a little bit of a backstory to why that is there. So back in the day, that was actually also planted with vines, but the whole, the, that's 40 hectares when you go into the bottom of Saxonburg, and it's actually quite a sandy hectare, um, um, a sandy um, soil. So. As you know, we're out for only quality wines, and we could could not produce a quality wine on that um, on that kind of terroir. So we decided um, that we would do a safari park there, and also just because we have a huge love for animals. And I think also, you know, a lot of um, people come to Cape in uh, dressed in their safari gear, <laughs> and they're wondering where all the wild animals are. And turns out they're not running around here freely. So for us, it's also a wonderful opportunity to have some of that, um, those wild animals. And we, we have mainly, of course, zebra, um, which are reproducing um, happily on the farm, let's put it like that. And then we have um, springboks and wildebeest and um, a, a few others that, that are roaming around there. And um, we just said, you know, let's, let's have something African. Let's have something we all, all love and can nurture there and use, that, um, and use that, that terroir for the wildlife. So that's why we, we have that, um, that feeling when you come in and all those animals there. Oh, that's very, that's very, very nice. So tell me, um, what else can um, visitors experience when they come to Saxonburg? So we've, I mean, it's, uh, we started commercializing the farm. Obviously, the concept of, uh, of the typical, or many of the South African farms, I should rather say, is very much about having a tourist attractive uh, sort of activities and, uh, and on the farm, and, uh, which are almost their own little, little profit centers. So we have a tasting room uh, on the farm that you can, uh, that you can visit uh, seven days a week. Um, and uh, which we completely refurbished actually uh, just over two years ago. Uh, and then on the, on the farm also, we have a, a number of guest cottages, which we um, also renovated at the same time around uh, the end of 2017, uh, which are two uh, doubles with, uh, with all ensuite sort of bathrooms. And then there's a bigger cottage, which has three uh, ensuite um, a bedroom bathroom uh, also available. They're completely self-catering, so they all come uh, equipped with uh, with kitchens, and the smaller ones with a more of a kitchenette. And then you have uh, you know access obviously to the outdoors. You're within sort of uh, you know a couple of hundred meters from the uh, the game park itself. You can organize uh, sundowner drinks out uh, on our um, in the lovely sort of uh, uh, on a on a platform within that uh, little game park. And, uh, and enjoy the wines there. You can, uh, there's access to a pool and obviously there's also a, uh, a bride facility. So, so that's another aspect of it. Um, and then on the, on the farm itself, we, we don't, uh, at this point, we, you know, sometimes when we have uh, bigger groups, we will also, we have a, an outdoor uh, LARPA area where we'll organize, especially more for the sort of overseas visitors, we'll organize a typical sort of snook brise or, or you know, meat brise as well, and then take them through our wines in, in that sort of way. Um, obviously, these are things that have been um, badly affected now by um, the lockdown and, uh, you know, obviously the continuing uh, uh, sort of regulations. But, uh, but typically, these are, these are very active um, participants of the, uh, 
of the farm. Well, amazing. You, you mentioned the coronavirus and the lockdown. And, you know, it's basically forced all of us to rethink our business models. So um, Fiona mentioned that you guys have spent the time working. Do you have any changes or new ideas in mind? So, as I said, I think we took this lockdown as a, as a real time to sit down and, and put our, our minds together and, and, and uh, you know, really use this time effectively. I think we've done the opposite of saying, let's lock ourselves down as well. Um, we've literally said, what can we do with this time? And I think the main thing we've been focusing on is building a relationship with our end, end customers. So, um, you know, we always had a relation, you have a strong relationship with your partners abroad, with the restaurants, with your liquor stores, and, and that we've been very much concentrating on. But we wanted to, you know, know our end customer, become a friend to our end customer, um, and introduce them to our team, introduce them to the brand mode, introduce them to what's happening behind the scenes and really take them along on our journey. So, so we've been very heavily um, uh, focusing on our, um, uh, our social media. Um, we've been putting informative videos out there. We started a YouTube channel. Um, we've been doing weekly webinars. I don't know if you saw with um, where we've invited incredible speakers um, to join us on the weekly webinars. And, and it's not only about Saxonburg at all. It's, it's, we've been talking about corks and where corks come from, what do they mean? Or the same with barrels or what the glasses make for a difference. So, so we've tried to give the customer, you know, um, an educational experience and, and take them, really take them along on our journey but also giving them an opportunity to create a dialogue with us. And I think we've never been as interactive with our, with our customers and it's, it's extremely rewarding and so nice to hear from them. And um, we've been really working on, you know, we, our slogan is Saxonburg Wines Creating Moments. And, and what we mean by that is we want, you know, life is all about the moments that are happening and we really want to be part of those moments are they small or big moments um, are there celebratory moments or you know lonely moments doesn't matter but most of those moments um, are around a glass of wine or around a nice meal with a glass of wine and, and we want to be part of that journey and, and that's what we've been focusing on and so we've also taken that time to actually make a new website so um, look out for that because it will be launching very soon and, and we've created a whole new website where all of this, what I've, we've just been talking about, will be integrated and it will just make a much nicer organic experience for, for our customer. I mean, I suppose the, the only things I can add to that, obviously, is, you know, earlier I alluded to the fact that in the wine industry, everything is about long-term planning. I think obviously with, you know, as, as, as Fiona said, with a crisis comes opportunity, you know, it's, it's, it's been devastating in so many ways, but it, uh, it, it also comes, you know, brings with it certain silver linings that you can then either act on or not. And for us, that was very much building out our, uh, um, our sort of direct to consumer offering is creating content, uh, not just creating content, but also giving, you know, becoming more personal in the way that we interact, uh, giving a sort of peek behind the scenes, uh, uh, presenting the team and then also just opening up to customers and saying you know ask us all the questions that you've been wanting to ask them that never maybe had the platform to ask and we'll share them with you and any other listener that is that is willing to listen and um, I think you just you know in terms of your planning what changes is, is that because there's so much uncertainty you, you 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 we sort of at the moment we we work with what we call our sort of three months uh, vision uh, strategies and uh, and that's basically you know how, how do we operate within these three months and what sort of view do we do we take? 
but the focus is very much direct to consumer. Um, you know, it's, it's, technology is going to play a, a tremendous role. Um, we are now looking at, uh, at a concept that is also introducing a, a virtual tasting room. Um, not so much, obviously, on the one hand, because, you know, people are, will be for some time more reluctant to, to set foot into certain establishments, but also because we are speaking to a wider audience now, you know, that may be far away, that, that cannot get in the car and just drive 20, 30, 40 minutes and, and be at the farm, and to also bring them in and, and make them part of the, uh, of the experience. Um, so it certainly changed in that sort of way. Also, you know, I think a spirit of collaboration has, has come from this. Um, we are working currently, we're very proud of our sort of area, obviously Stellenbosch, but to be more precise, the, the Polka Dry Hills. Um, we've been working during lockdown on an initiative as well, which um, I can't divulge just yet, but which will be coming out in the next months or two with a few um, of the farms that, uh, that are in the area. And, um, and we think that, you know, this, this is a time to be collaborative. This is a, a time to pull resources and, and, and kind of find a common denominator and spread the same message, trying to reach a wider audience and with our products and our wines. Um, so that, that's definitely another thing that we've, been, that we've been working on. I think a way in which the business model has changed, uh, but very much in a, in a favorable way. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's great that you've guys been proactive. And um, it seems that you're going to continue on this road going forward. I think people underestimate the amount of engagement you can create. Um, um, and, and, and you're right. Um, um, uh, I think you mentioned, Tiana, that, you, that uh, or it was actually you, Vincent, that said your, your customers have the first time that, they, that you really can communicate with them on, a, on, a, you know, on a, almost a, a bigger scale. So that's amazing that you guys have embraced this. And I think this is really the way of the future. What is the most important thing that you've learned um, from your wine journey? Well, I mean, it, uh, one of the, the most wonderful things, and I think it's probably 99% of the reason why, um, you know, anyone that's in, involved in wine or is, 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 is uh, producing wine or selling wine is involved is, is because of the products itself. You know, the sort of journey from vine to, to bottle, the people you meet in the industry are exceptional. Uh, whether locally or abroad, um, always with this sort of zest of life and adventure and, and very close to nature and outdoors. And that, that, that is the way that we're sort of shaped as well. So I think that's, that's a tremendous appeal. But the biggest lesson is, is definitely to, to have patience in my mind. Um, everything takes a long time. We, you know, we, plant, we plant new vines, we play with uh, new plant material, new clones, new sites. You know, you plant them today and, and you won't see the fruit of that labor for many, many years to come. Um, even bar the, uh, the commercial aspect of it, um, you know, these things take a lot of patience. And then very often it's the temptation of not sidetracking. It's the temptation of not, you know, taking up other projects or following trends. Um, so I think patience and discipline um, are a, a definitely a big sort of uh, part of the, the learning process in this journey. For us, it's also, you know, not, as we're saying, what already my parents started is not following trends, believing in what we're doing, setting our own trends. Um, and then also, you know, there's so much amazing wine out there, especially in South Africa, there's just amazing winemakers. And so just get inspired by those people and surround yourself with people that, that inspire you. You know, the, the thing is with the wine industry, it's a constant learning. Um, and and uh, that's what we thoroughly enjoy about it. And that's, you know, you, you're constantly adding on. And uh, I definitely believe that's something I've taken from that. Oh, excellent. I'd love to hear from you guys and get your favorite wine quotes from each of you. Uh, 
and um, one should wake up with a smile in the morning and end the day with a glass of wine and I like it because for me ending the day with a glass of wine or two is like ending the day with a smile so you started with a smile and you ended with one I love it um I mean there, there's so many great and so many cheesy quotes I think in wine and uh, but uh one that uh, that uh, that really resonated uh, with me is uh, is the one that says wine is bottled poetry, and uh, the reason it was, especially of more recently, is um, um, I've been tasting uh, endless amounts of wine uh, during lockdown as well with uh, our cellar master Doug Van Sale, um, as we were sort of putting together new blends and you know obviously tasting our way through the 2020 vintage and you know getting ready for the 2019. And it's very interesting, the more people you bring together, um, uh, it's always uh, great to surround yourself with experienced and good palates. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, everyone always interprets a wine in a different way. And I guess, you know, a little bit like poetry, it reminded me of uh, English literature, you know, you asked to, to, to interpret uh, one of Shakespeare's poems and it's like, okay, everyone has a kind of a, you know, draws a different um, inspirational meaning from it. And the same way in wine, I think that's the beauty of it is, is you, you know, it's uh, you interpret it in your own way and you associate through it a, a memory or a time or you mark an event. And um, so I, I love that. I, I think it's it's I think it's so true for wine. And I think the more time you spend tasting wine, um, the more that uh, that becomes uh, the truth. Excellent. Guys, that was awesome. Um, if our listeners want to get hold of you, how do they actually, um, um, you know, where, where do they find you? So we've, as, as Fiona said, we've been very active on our, on our sort of uh, channels, uh, our Instagram, um, uh, you know, you're obviously always, uh, always happy and please, uh, you know, have a look at what we're doing there. Um, so the handle is uh, Saxonburg Wines. Um, and then we're on Facebook as well, Saxonburg uh, Wine Estate. You can find us on YouTube, uh, Saxonburg Wine Estate. We've got our own dedicated uh, channel there to which we upload all of the content, all the videos, webinars, interviews, that we've been conducting over the, the last uh, months now. And then otherwise, obviously, if you want to reach us to us uh, in, a, in a more sort of direct way, you can just uh, email us at uh, info at saxonburg.co.za and uh, we'd uh, be obviously delighted to hear from anyone. Guys, it was really a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking the time um, speaking to us and I think our listeners will really love this. And um, yes, thank you very much for an informative talk. Thank you so much, Will. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it was a great pleasure. And uh, I hope we could uh, share some, uh, some good information with everyone. Thank you for supporting our show. If you would like to get more exposure for your business, please have a look at our sponsorship options. Thanks again for supporting About the Winelands. Please follow us on YouTube and on our social media channels. All details and links are in the description.